Welcome to The Blender. Uh, I am Dom Ferrero. I'm Brian Gowan. Zemo Grace. And today we're talking about genre blending. Brian, what is genre blending to you? Um, genre blending to me is when you have an artist who has studied more than one tradition in their upbringing and it's pretty evident in the music they make. Mm. And they pull from all those sources and don't allow themselves to be confined to one thing. Do you see it happening more or less in this current era? I think more, especially as we're getting to an era where music is more self-produced, music is more right. self-released. Right. Record companies and big producers are getting out of the picture and bigger art and artists are kind of getting to do what they want. For sure. You know, I would agree. I feel like um, today it's almost like necessary for people to do genre blending of any kind. Like if it's super minimal even, just to like separate yourself from the artists in your genre. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah, which I've been saying too. Um, but I look at, just in terms of creating music, I kind of, like for the most part, I have like, like two different ideas about it. Mm -hmm. Like one idea is like, okay, I'm gonna go in and work on this thing. And I want it to like, be something that I already thought about. Like, I'm gonna create this song, make it sound like, something that I can reference easily. Yeah. But then there's the other part where it's like, you know, just coming up with shit and just like exploring and then putting all those pieces together. And that's, to me, that's like, that's like genre blending. It's like taking all of like, the taste that you have inside of yourself. Yeah, like your experience. experiences. And then it's just like, you organically like, create something that, that has like the same ideas as like the various genres that you fuck with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that. It's almost hard. I feel not the genre blend a little bit. It is. I feel yeah. like you have to be really closed off from yeah, the world. Yeah. It's hard. It's easy to genre blend if you think about it. It's just the mindset. Yeah. But it's it's hard to do the other thing to like. Yeah. Do like really because that's like tedious. It's like okay. Yeah. You're like analyzing like, something else. Between trap music and dubstep, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like it's like for me, like I mean, I'm not like, I'm not that great of like a a beat maker, but I like. When I try to make a trap beat, it's hard. It's really hard to like make it sound like a trap beat. Yeah. Right, right. Well, that's not your that's not your tradition. Yeah. So what what are you coming kind of drum? Is it like what kind of music do um, you? Well, I to I listen art? to trap music, like, I, but it's what is it's your... not like it's not really my like it's, it would be hard for me to make like a strictly R and B track too. Yeah. yeah. But like I'm just I've never really tried I've tried to make a trap beat. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I, like bro growing up, I listened to like R and B, neo soul, hip hop mainly. Uh, a little bit of jazz and like just like I don't know I was into Disney a lot mm -hmm. so Who I guess it? yeah and like there's just like aspects of musical theater in, in yeah. there and like I know that's really inside of me because growing up watching Disney um and yeah I guess in every product of like those things nowadays and like just in that family that's my upbringing hmm. that's why I like Braxton yeah like, tell us about Braxton a little bit um well Musically, or yeah, let's just like a little bio for yeah. the audience. All right, well, um, he's from DC. Uh, started playing sax when he was like five or six, something like that, some crazy young age. Um, that his dad bought for him. Uh, skipped to college. He went to college for English, I think, Doristown for one year, and he decided to go to Juilliard, in New York, and oh. he went there, graduated from there. Um, so I don't know. I don't know much about his music upbringing up and up until the point where. Like the first time I, I know about his like career is him playing with Christian Scott. Um, I think he's like a junior in college. And Christian Scott's like another genre blending yeah. type guy. Jake and Marco on genre blending, he's the guy. He was one of the, I feel like one of the, f not first, but in the modern yeah. era. In terms of like New Orleans and like hip hop and like just the modern Yeah, era. like, mm. 
I feel he's one of the first guys that really put the modern hip-hop thing For in sure. a jazz setting. Because, yeah. like, you have Herbie, obviously, but Herbie, yeah. like, was at the beginning of hip-hop. And, yeah. like, he's on a lot of that stuff, so it's not really the same. Yeah. I feel like he's one of the first guys looking at it from a, like, so, a post-creation yeah, of hip-hop. Yeah, sure. exploration. Then, like, the rock side of things, I would definitely go, like, Frank Zappa, who, like, yeah. fucking killed it with, like, classical involved in it and yep. just, like, weird, weird, weird techniques of, like, jazz but like experimental like yep. electronic stuff everything that man infused everything but um yeah so we're gonna talk about um these songs here yeah we're gonna yeah so how we're gonna do this is we're gonna look at two songs from the artists that we're trying to discuss look at one from a little bit back and one from uh this is from 2018 yeah mine's from 2018 Mine's like uh, 2011 is the first one and then uh the most recent is less than 15. Yeah. So we're looking at an older and a newer thing and trying to look at how the artists develop their sound. Yeah. So we'll start with Braxton. So do you want to start with, we're going to just play a small small snippet. Do you want to start with? Yeah, start with this one. The older one? Yeah. yeah. So this is from um, Braxton Cook, Butcher, Butcher Brown. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's on Spotify it says it's Braxton's album, but it seems like it's Butcher, I think it's actually Butcher Brown's project. I, I don't know how that worked out, but I think it came out like 2015, 2016, 2015. That has um, to be one of his first records, too. That's very, yeah, that's when he graduated college. I mean, no, 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 but I mean, there's like recordings of him playing with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that Tiny Desk concert from 2013. Yeah. That he's like a fetus and sounds yeah. like a fetus. <laughs> yeah, right. this is like uh, his first like record. Same, you know, like Latin jazz vibe, you know. He has like great like jazz melodic development. Yeah, there's. It's cool because he has. He obviously just studying at the Juilliard School has a massive understanding of the vocabulary, the language, the history, the technique of the instrument, the tech, amazing technician on the instrument, amazing melodicist. But then, like, it's cool because you s- already are seeing some of the influences that will come in later, and those influences from Christian Scott. Yeah, like, yeah. the snare sounds like a hip-hop snare. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's... Especially in the production of it, it sounds very contemporary. Yeah. That's also Butcher Brown, too. I'm not really familiar with Butcher Brown's music. I think they're from D.C. I'm not... I don't know, like, no full albums outside of this one. Um, I think they're from D.C., too. But this is, like, their whole band. Their tenor player, they have a tenor player, he also plays on this. But like Braxton just features on it, I'm not sure. I think they linked up in New York. Okay. I don't know. Everyone links I up in it. New York. Yeah. Sweet, so next we have. Oh, um, let me turn that off so we don't get two songs playing at once. Good call. Uh, so this is from Braxton's uh, new album that just came out this year, um, a month or two ago. And yeah. Those blown out drums, man, I don't know about them. Definitely. I've <laughs> blown out with you. Sounds like heavily limited. Yeah, it's really compressed, yeah. Braxton's voice, though. Yeah. And the way he's, like, manipulating his progressions, like, in a very jazz way. Oh, 
Pass that movements. Yeah, the album's amazing. I was listening to this album on repeat back and forth from a gig yeah. uh, the last couple of weeks. It's called No Doubt. Amazing record, and it's like, I think why I'm drawn to it. So, oh man, to give you a little background on myself, I don't, I did not grow up listening to hip hop. I was not even introduced to hip hop or neo soul or any of the music that Braxton really pulls from yeah. until I got to college in Philly. I grew up in Northeast PA. Like, what do you expect? Yeah. Um, my family didn't listen to it. I was just not exposed to it. What I ex- was exposed to it was pop, pop, and just like not very artistically fulfilling mm-hmm. yeah. or, or like honest versions of the music. And I think the thing that Braxton Cook has been a artist for me that has helped me understand that music more and start to love that music more. And I think it's because of the genre blending thing. Yeah. And yeah. his use of jazz it's harmony unique. and it's his like, use of like melody. It's, you know, yeah. what I really draw from it. Tight. Uh, up next, we got my favorite band, Tame Impala. Um, they started out very um, psychedelic rock driven and like early 60s, early 70s driven, kind of got like backlash from being too Beatles-esque and too like Pink Floyd-esque. And um, the first album, Inner Speaker, we're gonna hear from it. Uh, this is Solitude is Bliss. Enjoy. I feel like I'm back on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, um, with like the super delayed and like reverb vocals and like uh, sort of like nostalgic energy that it just gives off, um, it's like clearly very psychedelic rock and like early 60s inspired. Um, and then just three years later, entirely changed up his style, blended every freaking genre. Now he's like on some like pop electronic stuff uh, mixed with psychedelic rock, even still. Uh, this is a new person, same old mistakes. Y'all love those blown out drums. Yeah. So, like, is it just that? Yeah. It just sounds like very clippy. It's a sound, though. It's, it's, it's definitely more so like the kick in the, the bass, probably. Um, really neat. I really need to walk, see that these albums are like three years apart from each other. What? You said these albums are only three years apart from each other? Yeah, insane. There was also an album in between, um, which was 
definitely more psychedelic rap, but um, Currents, like, their latest album almost has, like, no guitar. Like, it's just, like, so synthy and, like, keyboards and drums and, like, everything besides, like, what made them them. And it's, like, really cool because, like, it obviously appealed to a wider audience and it's almost, like, um, sort of conflicting because I feel like they definitely, like, abandoned their, like, roots of psychedelic rock. But, um... Now they're like winning Grammys and like super, you know, acclaimed critically headlining festivals, stuff like that, being covered by Rihanna on this song. Um, so it's pretty dope. Um, Would you say this was a transitional record to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely can still see like small elements to it. Like his voice is still equally as like delayed and like ridiculous sounding. But um, overall, like complete 180 switch. And yeah. like it's just cool to see how many like genres and like techniques he's able to incorporate and like mix all together to like make this crazy sound um yeah i think um, that's another thing like <coughs> both of these songs are kind of in a they're a little bit in a genre but i think something with genre blending that's cool to talk about and cool to think about is like sometimes the context of the artist that we think of them as so with braxton I'll go back to him just because I know him better. We think of him a lot as a jazz saxophonist, but then he makes a record that's very neo-soul-y. Sure. Yeah. Just the context of him being a jazz saxophonist makes the neo... Even if it was like even more straight-ahead neo-soul, yeah. but that blending. makes it genre-blending yeah. because we already have this thought of him. Yeah, exactly. It's like, in terms of like the music and just you know more specifically the progression, it's, it's very jazz, you know... Yeah, but very I feel like that's the style is very neo soul, and that's what it's like a nice like. You know? But I feel that's what we have here. So we yeah. have that like it's still quite neo soul. Yeah. Well, with soulful. with this Tom and Paula, like we Tommy. have <laughs> whatever. Sorry, <laughs> we have this idea, Tom. Whatever. Tame and Paula. Tame. There we go. Sorry, guys. Uh, we have this psychedelic, you know, impression oh, yeah. of them from their earlier music, but then yeah. they come with something like this. That's much more contemporary sounding mm-hmm. yeah. but because we still have that psychedelic opinion it's still like them, damn this is trippy like yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. for yeah. sure so I, I see where you're, co- you're going yeah like, like, like we, the subjectivity of like yeah like genre like how we listen to music right. and how we know the artists mm-hmm. it just yeah. shows like how much they changed from like with um the inner speaker album they had like John Lennon's son on tour with them. They had, like, mm-hmm. some collaborations with, like, um, the Flaming Lips and just, like, OG, like, psychedelic rock people. And now they have, like, their songs covered by, like, Rihanna. They're, like, helping, like... I think it was Lady Gaga on, like, her last album. They have, like, a song on Travis Scott's new album. Like, he's definitely going in more of, like, a pop and, like... Yeah. Yeah, contemporary, like you said, um, way about it. But yeah. I'll definitely get him the fans, yeah. I feel like I could see him doing crazy stuff like headlining Coachella like this coming year and just like doing he big hasn't things. Already? Like I would imagine. He... I know for real. He's a big he's, thing. He's been at Coachella a few times, but not not headlining spot yet. But I could see it. Yeah, that's my prediction. What do we got next? All right. So the last artist we're going to talk about is someone who I love really dear to my heart. Taylor Swift. Is. <laughs> what? Kesha. Taylor Swift. Kesha. No, we're going to go back to the jazz idiom with uh, saxophonist Donnie McCaslin. Um, a lot of listeners might know Donnie from David Bowie's last record, Black Star. Mm. The story with Black Star was that Bowie wanted to make a record with a jazz artist. He had been working with the Maria Schneider Orchestra, uh, which is a really famous big band who's who are absolutely incredible. Um, 
I think there's a recording of him doing It's a Pity She's a Whore with the Amir Schneider Orchestra. I'm not... I might be mistaken on that. And it's just gorgeous. It's wonderful. And he wanted to do more with them, but um, Rich Schneider was really busy, and she hipped him to his... Him. I like that. Hipped him to her second tenor player, Donnie McCaslin. She went, he went to see Donnie at some club. I forget what club. And he hired him, him and his band, instantly right after to... Uh, beyond his record and it's really interesting to see what that did for Donnie's music. Donnie always kind of had a genre blending thing about him as you'll hear with the first track I'm going to play but he really he really went for it after that experience with Bowie because I think what he learned from Bowie is to go with it because if we know anything about Bowie that's what he did. <laughs> so this is something off of his 2012 record I think um, Casting for Gravity yeah. Uh, Stadium Jazz. This was I nominated for a Grammy for best uh, for outstanding solo, um, and you see that he grew up listening to rock and roll. He grew up listening to, you know, music that wasn't jazz. But then he brings it to a jazz idiom, and it's really entertaining to listen to. So here is Stadium Jazz. say that's the album that made i mean he's been around for years people knew who donnie was but like i feel like this was the album that made people be like oh shit he's on to something <laughs> yeah. and it's because of this genre blending thing we keep coming back to that it sets you apart it especially izzy like you and me and we're both here studying jazz performance in our idiom how many freaking guys sound exactly the same and are making music that sounds exactly the same because they're not thinking outside of our box yeah I think that's why we're pulled to these artists that do think outside of that box. So that was 2012. Well, I I, uh, I hear like the you know that rhythmic you know over the bar line type thing. Yeah. Like what, what would you call that like that type of you know I guess jazz or rock or whatever. Well, I feel the energy is very rock. Yeah. It's funny talking to Donnie about this. He doesn't really know what to call the groove either. It's funny. It's very like I don't. It's not too common but it was like that kind of vibe it's yeah like, i feel like it's like a thing like it is a like thing it comes from like a thing that uh, i feel it comes from i'm not sure art rock you know hmm. prog rock yeah i know that's some of the stuff that's in his ear yeah um it's funny but at the same time it has very strong jazz even the group itself has a very strong yeah. jazz thing about it too it's like a jazz drummer playing it so yeah like but Mark Giuliani ain't just a jazz drummer. He's well, everything. He play, he plays yeah, jazz, so yeah, yeah. That's what we you think can hear. Of it, you know, it's funny though because uh, just to talk on this for a second, talking to Donnie about what exactly that groove is, um, he 
we were talking about just like writing drum parts. I was like, what, you know, in the case of this song, what would you do? He was like, honestly, I have no idea what to call Mark Juliana, uh, but Mark's playing. That's kind of just Mark. Yeah. That's kind of just how Mark plays. Yeah. And Mark comes from a place of genre blending. If you ever listen to his project with Lefebvre and Lindner, which all like programmed electronic, what is that? It's like, uh, beat, beat music. And it's all just like really intricate, really rhythmically difficult electronica. Okay. Oh, I gotta check it out. It's it's really killing. And Jason Lindner, there's he's a guy to check out with his Now versus Now, where there's so much electronica influence and all this beautiful synth stuff. But uh, yeah. Sweet. So album cover is sweet on its (laughs) own. What is that? So Club Kid. So Donnie, 2018, Bowie's been dead for a few years. This is his second record since working with Bowie. And um, 2018, a couple months ago, Blow came out. Uh, this is the second single that he released on the album. And I don't think anyone was expecting this out of what we think <laughs> of as jazz heavyweight Donnie McCaslin. <laughs> Demos. No, just as like someone he listens to, it's someone that's really like into yeah. And like you definitely get that from this. Yeah. It's um, admirable to like shout out your influences like that. Yeah. Like I'm picking from this. I feel like that's a very jazz musician thing to do. It's, it's a very yeah. jazz musician thing. It's just like traditional that's cool. music thing to do. That's also another cool um I was re- just reading Downbeat has a great article about this album and um one of the coolest things is he um so after working with Bowie, he was inspired by the fact that Bowie listened to everything. And if you guys know it, like if you know anything about Bowie, you know that he had his ear everywhere yeah. and in all forms. And he, he genre blended even really, we, he's the king of this because he genre Seriously. blended even into like his performances. Like he knew who the best avant-garde fashion designer of 1984 was, and you best bet that person was designing costumes for his shows. He knew the best choreographer of that year, and you best bet that was the guy doing the right. choreography. So it, um, the Donnie learned from that, and he talks about in this article in Downbeat about how. He just loaded his phone with a whole bunch of shit he didn't really listen to before. Like, Nine Inch Nails is one on there that I was just, like, completely blown away by. And, yeah, so... That's cool. He had his ear in a lot of places, and it made something really interesting. Yeah. Like, there's a... That's genre. 
<laughs> genre blending. <laughs> so yeah. What's our closing thought? Um, what did we learn from this? Three totally did, different artists. Yeah. I did learn something. I feel like to stay relevant in this millennia, you need to genre blend. You need to like... For the sake of art. Yeah. You need to just like open it up. You need to like separate yourself from artists, captivate an audience, give them some shit they'd never heard before, and just like create your own thing with like your own experience and your own yeah. Yeah, taste. Yeah, I'm really realizing that listening to these three artists like... Yeah. It's really about, you know, getting what's in your head, your influences, and just letting them freely yeah. come out in your creations, exactly. you know? It's not hard, it's just about letting go. Yeah. Something Tim LaFabe said in that Downbeat Magazine article, just go for it. Just mm-hmm. go for it. Just go exactly. for it. And With that yes. closing thought, this is The Blender. I'm Dom Ferrero. Izzy Morgris. I'm Brian Cowan. Signing out. <laughs>